0: Judy is going to come up right now, and she's going to read to you from the first section of Ephesians 4. Uh, Just a little setup so you know the context of this, the book of Ephesians, um, I think of as a very intimate love letter to the church. It is written um, by the Apostle Paul as he sits in his jail cell in Rome. He has been there for a while. He has been leading the church and ministering in the jail, and he knows that this journey is going to go to a particular conclusion fairly quickly. So he's writing to the church in Ephesus, but he's also writing to all of us, the church universal, uh, to talk about what it means to believe and what does that belief look like when it's lived out. So in the first part of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 chapters, he, he lays out the things that he believes that are essential, that are critical, he wanted to share, And in the beginning of chapter 4, the whole book sort of takes a very direct focus to say, therefore now here's what I want to tell you. Listen to what Judy shares with you.
1: As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, to be completely humble and gentle, to be patient, bearing with one another in love, To make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, one father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. But each of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be, Thanks be to, you God. to God.
0: Thank you, Judy. And would you join with me in a word of prayer? As Paul yearned to try to find the words to say an eternal truth in a finite moment, So we too come in this hour seeking to find that which is larger than ourselves. We seek to find in an hour what will last us for all of our life. We seek in very brief moments to say thank you in ways that only reflect a deeper thanks that is without end. And so we ask you to collect our efforts today, Lord. And allow them to lead us to a place where blessing remains, hope wins over all, and where our lives become a reflection of our deepest truth. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. To each and every one of you, I begin this morning by saying Happy Mother's Day. It is an appropriate thing to say to all people, men and women alike, quite frankly, as we all celebrate the gift of our mothers and the presence of those who have nurtured us in our life. And it is my deepest hope that, if not already, very soon, you'll have the opportunity to pause and to remember and to give thanks in memory of or directly to the persons who have loved us, nurtured us, and been with us throughout our life. In a perfect world, we would all have our moms with us today. In a perfect world, we would all have had the experience of being raised by a mother who was an excellent cook, counselor, role model, ethics teacher, superwoman, who could balance all that was thrown at her with perfect grace and skill. In a perfect world, everyone today would have wonderful stirrings of memories and emotions. In a perfect world, all the moms would have had perfect children. Wow. Somewhere God will ante up that measurement, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In a perfect world, there would also be a day where all who wanted to be moms were and could be. In a perfect world, it would be a day where all moms had family life that was enriching and blessing and honoring them from the moment of their waking to the moment of their sleeping in a perfect world. Since we do not live in a perfect world, it may be even more amazing, as we remember our mothers and all the women who have nurtured us, that quite frankly they did as well as they did with what they had to work with is a testament that we would want to celebrate Mother's Day today because we understand we celebrate today not a perfect image of mothering, but even more wonderfully, the gift of mothers who are often loving and nurturing in many different ways. We do not celebrate moms against a standard of some kind of perfection to a single model, Instead, we celebrate moms as the unique, complex, imperfect, yet seeking perfection people they are. And the fact that they showed up in our lives is a choice that they made in a miracle in and of itself. Today, we give to all the women in this church, regardless of age, a pen. It's a token but it's a token of our collective awe of each one of you as an amazing gift of God. Each woman is a unique creation. Each woman is a child of God with her own gifts, challenges, joys, heartbreaks, talents, and power. And we give you a pen today, humbly knowing that in every day you deserve respect, love, affirmation, and an invitation to a relationship with grace. You are amazing. Each and every one of you is a person worth celebrating. And for so many reasons today, we just stop to say thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. So how do I transition from that, from a heartfelt thank you, to a discussion of how to live the resurrected life in Jesus Christ using a line from the Apostles' Creed? I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. You do it this way. You remind people that the church is made up of imperfect people who are called into a unique and complex relationship of nurturing each other, raising up all to live a life filled with character and power, to being people who challenge injustice, and all the while stopping to give thanks and praise to the one who gave us life and makes our life worthwhile. Now, there are many examples of a less-than-perfect church. All around us and even here. But just like we're willing to celebrate Mother's Day when not all moms are perfect, nor should they ever be expected to be, so too we celebrate the church, not because of our perfectness, but rather because in so many moments and in so many ways, God has always and still uses the church as a place where lives are transformed, where lives are made better, where the world is made better, and where most of all, God has a chance to do God's work More than any other place. As God is truly both father and mother to all of creation, we know that our birth is no accident as individuals or as a church. We are intended to be here as people who live called to a purpose beyond our own fulfillment. We are not independent agents, we were never intended to be that. We are made for community. And even more so, we are called to be part of a very unique community, as all are, so that together we would come and embrace all, dare to be intimate with each other, and daring to empower everyone to be what God has always dreamed for them from the beginning of creation. In the scripture, I mean, in the Apostles' Creed today, what we're talking about. The focus changes. Up to this point, it's been all about God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. But now it shifts. Now that we've told you what we believe about God, here's what we know about us. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Let me break down a couple of those words. I believe in the holy. What does it mean to call the church holy? Well, when I was a kid in Montrose, it meant that you couldn't run in the sanctuary. It meant that there were a couple rooms in the church that kids weren't allowed in because those were the holy places. It was a particular way of being and being clear that as you walked into a room, somehow it was supposed to be different than any other room. But perhaps what holy means most of all is simply this. Whatever is holy belongs to God. Wherever that happens, it's holy. To say something is holy, to say that the church is holy, speaks to what we are committed to, who we serve, and who we're called to follow and reflect in our life. To say the church is holy is not to set it up and above any place else. It might also experience that holiness where God reigns, but rather it simply says when the church gathers, whether inside or outside the walls, we come to be God's. We yearn to be God's people. Our holiness is not found in the perfectness that we live, but rather in our willingness to surrender our true self, perfect and imperfect, to a God who claims us. We are individuals, and we are a community that is committed to surrendering to a life of holiness, which doesn't mean that on any given day I'm living it out perfectly, but rather I'm surrounded by people who will help nurture me on days I am less than holy. Any of you had a less than holy moment this week? Just looking at this crowd, you could tell the answer. Just looking in the mirror, I know the truth. And the church is not measured by whether or not we were perfect, but rather by the intentional decision in our life that we yearn to be. And we strive to do all that we can so that we can be surrendered to God. To say the church is holy is simply to say that we are a people who yearn to be that which God has called us to be. And in some moments, by the power of God, rise above ourselves. Catholic. We always joke about this as Protestants. We always have something to say about that Roman Catholic group over there. And we oftentimes have to help explain to confirmants, no, you're not going to go attend the Roman Catholic Church once we confirm you. Rather, the term Catholic here is easily understood as being translated as universal. I believe in the holy catholic. which means I believe in a group of people wherever they are, whatever their time frame may be, who are committed to God and I believe that they're doing it over in China or on the other side of town and they're committed to wanting to be the holy people of God. We are connected as the universal church. The problem for us as a church is not that the people sometimes read this and think we're supposed to go be Roman Catholic. But rather they don't believe us. Because all too, church, all too often the church has not acted like the universal church. We've acted like we're the church and the rest of the folks got to get it right yet. We've acted like there's only one way to believe. And what we really want to do is get you to come in and conform to the right way that we've got it figured out. We want to sit in judgment of other communities who worship differently, who sound differently, who look differently than us. So when the world hears us say, we believe in the holy universal church, they go, no, you don't. When the church acts like it says, listen, we want to be willing to celebrate God, but we're going to do so in a way that says, y'all who come in, got to shift and be like us. And those who aren't going to be like us aren't welcomed in. Every time the church says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and does anything to judge another faith community or a group of people as being unworthy or less than, then we have completely been caught in a lie. Christ did not relate the same to all people. Anybody want to read your Bible? Christ did not say to everyone who came in front of him, Here are the four things you have to do to be my disciple. Christ did not say, You want healing, then here are the hoops you got to jump through. So oftentimes in the Bible, Jesus says things to people like, Because of your faith, and I'm reading, What, what faith? They didn't put money in the plate, they didn't attend church for 14 years. They didn't serve in the women's guild until, you know, they couldn't do it anymore. But somehow Jesus relates to everybody differently, and and yet with the same amount of grace and love. And whenever the church falls short of embracing and celebrating other people, wherever they are in their faith and however they live their faith out, then we are lying to the Scriptures and to the Apostle Creed. Why? Because listen to the Scripture that Judy read to you. Paul is writing from prison. Folks, he's going to die soon for his faith. He's got no reason to be political. He's just laying it out truthfully. He says this, I beg you, I beg you, church, to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And what are the characteristics of your community? Humility and gentleness and patience. And one of my favorite phrases of all of Scripture: "Bearing with one another." You know how many times in your family you have to bear with one another? Siblings and parents and in-laws and outlaws, you just got to bear with them if I could just get through Thanksgiving with them. God, you're such an idiot as a little brother or sister until the day comes that idiot little brother or sister is your closest confidant. And that family you could bear to have a weekend with become the people who show up when you are your most broken or in the moment of your greatest joy. Making every effort, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, because at the end of the day, I don't care how you dress, I don't care how you sing, I don't care how you worship, I don't care so much about your life. The only thing I care about is this. Whoever you are, as God made you, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were. Called to one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. And when we live those words out one day, then maybe the world will understand when we say we believe in the holy Catholic slash universal church. They're going, God, you guys really do. Church. What do you mean to say the church? Well, you know this. little kid in the room or in the fellowship or in the classrooms on the way know what that is, right? The church. Church is? No right? This is far more interesting. This is But when this is happening, this is what I'm doing for those of you who can't see. When this is happening, you know what's going on? We are a whole bunch of people who are bumping into each other, trying to care for each other, and nurture each other, and love each other, and be there with each other in our greatest time of need. And to to walk with each other in our sickness and in our... You know what I mean? Church is whatever God's people who are surrendered and sold out to Christ are connecting to each other in holy ways and I don't care if they're in or outside the walls. Communion. I believe... In the Holy Catholic slash Universal Church, the communion. This is where you begin to move into deeper intimacy with each other. Because it's in communion that you begin to know each other's lives and love each other in spite or because. Communion, where you're stripped naked in front of Christ. And as you come up to take the sacrament, Christ looks at you and does not see anything you're wearing but knows all that you're feeling and thinking and says, let me feed you. Communion. When you sit with others whose hearts are broken and know they don't have to sit alone. Communion. When you have the best moments of your life, you, you get to celebrate with each other and you get to party with each other in holy ways because you know it's never just us, it's us and God all together. Communion. Saints. Oh, we don't want that term. We have an All Saints Sunday coming up in November, and there we honor those saints who've gone on before us, and we somehow think it's okay to call people saints once they're dead, because somehow we always make people who are dead better than they were in life. But the truth is, saints is not about perfection. It's, again, it's about being those who are surrendered to want to be God's people, wherever you are in that stage. Whether you're a wanderer or a doubter, or one who has strong faith and conviction, you're a saint. God's at work in your life. What's more saintly than that? To whatever extent it ekes out on any given day, you're a saint. Because you want to be, you yearn to be. I believe in the communion of saints, is to say I believe in the intimacy and care of people who just want to be what God wants them to be. Saints one and all. Amen? If we, the church, could ever one day just pause long enough to live this phrase out, I believe in the holy, committed, universal group of people who love God. Intimately with each other, with a yearning that we would all collectively and together be surrendered to God. Do you know what kind of church that would look like? It would be the one Paul begged for. It would be the one that was created in Acts when the Holy Spirit came upon them and the whole world was changed and transformed. It would be the moment when the mission of the United Methodist Church to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world would quit to be jargon and become living proof. And it would happen wherever you are. Because whenever you walk out the door and wherever you go this week, there is the church of one or two or more. There's the church. Got a call this morning. A little before 7 o'clock this morning, my phone rang. That always gives you a little bit of a start. And it was my dad that gives me another start. He said my mom had called from the facility care place she's staying at as she's under hospice care. She called in the middle of the night, which is not normal. And because she was emotional, because my dad can not hear, he couldn't figure out what was going on, so he got up and he left the bed, he got dressed, he drove over to the place and tried to get in. of course, it's locked down, right? Which you want it to be, unless you're trying to get into your loved one, at which point it's really frustrating, but he finally got in. And mom was there, and she was confused. And she was complaining because they keep trying to make me sleep. It's like, I don't know, 3.30 in the morning. I'm praying people will let me sleep. But mom was frustrated and confused and disoriented and emotional and all that stuff my dad isn't necessarily great at. so he held her and he comforted her and then he left to go home and then he spent the rest of the morning trying to think what to do so he calls me at 7 o'clock this morning to say this what do you think about the idea Rick if I leave early and go get mom and take her to church today on Mother's Day what now I'm thinking maybe I ought to take her to church today I said dad Mom can't sit up in a wheelchair for longer than 10 minutes. She wants to get back in bed. Dad, Mom hasn't had her hair done. She has nothing proper to wear. Mom's not going to go down the hallway looking the way she looks right now because that's just who Mom is. She's not going to let you take her and put her in a wheelchair and take her to worship her. she's going to sit for an hour, not dress properly, not cough properly. Man, it's just not going to happen. That can't happen, Dad. It's not good for her. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I'll see you guys when you get up later today. Okay. I thought about that. I thought, man, what's just telling me about my dad? That he's not thinking properly. That he's that confused. He would think that thought. And then I thought, he wants to take mom to church. He wants her to be in a holy place surrounded by saints who have known her for 75 years of her 90 year life. He wants her to sing the hymns. And and I thought to myself and I'll tell him later today Dad Whenever mom prays in the facility, she's in church. Whenever the church prays for her, she's in church. Whenever God stirs around her and around the people she loves, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, is happening. And one day when she's sitting in worship, properly coughed, in amazing gown. We'll be in church with her. Because the communion of saints tells me that once we're in the church, we are connected forever. Even those of us who don't have our moms with us today, we worship with them. I believe... And I'm giving my life that we would be a holy Catholic church. And I'm counting on the communion of saints because I have known it here and I will know it there. Thanks be to God for this amazing gift and for you